You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Hello, welcome today again to our broadcast. We're continuing with our teaching. We started last week talking about the reality and power of our spiritual work. You know, our spiritual work is so significant. And uh, if you remember, we were talking about the fact that God made us as a, we have a spiritual abode and then we have a natural abode. So you are a spirit being, you are also a natural being, you know. Yeah. So when God made man, first of all, he created him in the spirit and then he formed his body and then breathed into his, his, his body uh, the breath of life and man became a living being. As we see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. So um, let's go there again and uh, let's establish a few principles here. In Genesis chapter 2, all right? It says in verse 7, The Lord God formed man and breathed, uh, sorry, formed man, of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Man became a living being. So one of the things I observe reading from Genesis chapter 1, all right, from Genesis chapter 1 is uh, you see there from the beginning, the first verse that says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. God, the word God there is Elohim, and Elohim is God, uh, God in plural, referring to the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So you see that throughout chapter 1, it keeps saying, and God, and God, God made this, God said this, God blessed, God, you know. So it's, it keeps talking about Elohim, 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 Elohim. Throughout chapter 1, it's talking about Elohim, Elohim. And then when we get to chapter 2, when we get to chapter 2, I see an interesting, um, an interesting change, you know? Yes. So actually, in, in verse 2, Chapter 2, it says, On the seventh day, God ended his work in which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his which he had done. All right? But when you get down to verse 4, it says, This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In that day, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Here now we see the Lord God. Okay? Here it now introduces Yahweh Elohim. And this is a very important and significant uh, deviation from the narrative and how, how the Bible expressed uh, or uh, refers to God. Why? You will see that you will see that uh, with, with as we proceed. Okay. So now when it comes to dealing with man, when it comes to God's relationship with man, he is not just standing out there as Elohim from a distance. When God has as he comes near he comes now as Yahweh Elohim. It's like coming as Jehovah God. Okay? Jehovah God. So Jehovah or Yahweh has to do with his relationship with man. It, it has to do with his relationship with man and his relationship with his creation. It has to do with that. And what has that got to do with uh, the reality of our our walk with God. What has that got to do with our authority in, 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 in our walk with God? We are going to establish that as we as we proceed. 
Okay. So now when it comes to the creation of man or the formation of the body of man, when it comes to the formation of the body, where God will now physically interact with man, then he's introduced as Yahweh Elohim. Okay? Just let that, just keep that at the back of your mind. Keep that in your spirit and you will see why. So, now then as we go on, it now, it now says in verse 15, the Lord, then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Yahweh Elohim puts man in the garden to tend and to keep it. Then when you look at again, verse 18, you see Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. You see, also, in fact, verse 16, the Lord God commanded man, saying, of every tree of the garden and of uh, the tree you may freely eat, and so on, the you eat of it, you will die. So when it comes to interacting with man, he now introduces himself, or the scriptures introduce him as the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim. Okay? Yahweh Elohim. So, now, let's say, let's, let's, let's go on. We, 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 we look at that. That, that, re, that truth is important, and I'll show you why it is important. If you go to chapter 3, chapter 3, remember we are living in two parallel worlds, okay? The reality of our, of, of, of our walk is that there is our walk, our position in the spirit, okay? Seated together with Christ in the heavenly places because of what Jesus did. But prior to that, Adam, Adam was able to operate both in the, in the physical world and in the spiritual world effectively, perfectly on the same capacity spiritually he had the he had the same capacities in the spirit as in the natural all right now in chapter 3 something drastic happens something drastic happens here all right now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the lord god had made and he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The serpent, it was cunning, subtle, more subtle than any beast of the field that the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, had created. Now, when the serpent comes to the woman, when the serpent comes to the woman, I want you to notice the conversation. Because when you say the Lord God, Lord is speaking of his place, his authority. Okay? His authority over man. His authority over creation. Alright? As Lord, he has authority. He has authority over creation. Now, um, the Bible is telling us that when the serpent came, the serpent's conversation, look at, look, look, look at the conversation of the serpent. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Has God said, he had dropped lordship. <laughs> he dropped lordship. And now it's just God. There's no Lord there, just God. All right? And when you go study, when you study and you go into the, 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 the uh, in, into tradition, when you go into even um, deeper biblical studies, you'll find that Elohim sometimes is, uh, there are other gods that are called Elohim. You know, um, yes, idols. There are some idols that, that have been called Elohim. So, and 
So the enemy craft with his craftiness. He with his craftiness, he dropped the lordship and just has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Has God said, Now which God? You see, now the Lord God, He is Yahweh Elohim, is the there's, there's, there's no other God like Him. Here now is it's now debatable. It's now debatable. Which God are we talking about? All right? Has God said? Then the woman said to the serpent. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So you see here that the woman has also has been tricked. She has been tricked into dropping the lordship. The lordship. She's been tricked into dropping lordship and just taking God and dropping lordship and how does that relate to our spiritual walk? I want you to know that, <coughs> excuse me, the realm of the spirit, the realm of the spirit is a, is a, is a realm that is open, is, is vast, okay? It's a world. It's, a, it's an entire world on its own. And without the lordship of Christ, you go into the spiritual world, you are at risk. You are at risk of operating in the spirit without submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. So right from the garden, the enemy was able to trick the woman to drop lordship and to focus just on God, which can be easily um, manipulated. For instance, there are many gods today, right? You go to some countries, there are millions of gods, millions of gods. And have you noticed that God, the name God, doesn't, it doesn't cause as much problem as when you bring Christ into it. When the, the moment you mention Jesus, that's where the contention begins. But when you say God, oh, well, yeah, you know, I have my own God and, uh, and so on. I remember one time I was, I was out for evangelism and I met this lady. We were going through, we were doing the God test. Um, <clears throat> you're going through the God test with her. And I, and I asked her about God. What, what is your impression? Do you believe in God? Oh, yes, I do, you know. And uh, what is your impression of God? Oh, God is everywhere. God is everything. And she starts talking, you know, the plant. God is the plant. God is the, the cat. God is the... And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is hectic. So when you just say God, it could mean anything to anybody unless you probe further to now understand that that person's opinion and understanding or their belief in God. What do they mean? If we just say God, then we're, the whole world, we're all, you know, in one, maybe you're either an atheist or you're a believer, and every religion is, is under the same roof. We just, we will now begin, you know, say everyone, because we're all serving God. Just different expressions of the same God. No, no, no. The Bible doesn't teach that. It doesn't teach that, although the world wants us to believe that. So here, the woman dropped the Lord. She dropped Lordship. And being in the Spirit, being in the realm of the Spirit without Lordship is risky. Just like even in the natural, when you live your life. And that's why it's, it's dangerous for Christians not to be subject to the Lordship of Jesus. I'm telling you, it's very, it's, it's, it exposes them to all kinds of manipulations of the enemy. So that's why we need 
to be under the authority of Jesus if we are going to thrive and walk successfully with God. A spiritual, a spiritual walk. So you are a spirit being, okay? You're a spirit being. You have a spiritual a domain or abode that God created you to function in, but then you are also in the natural. And Jesus is Lord, both of the spiritual and the natural. He wants to be Lord over all of your life. He wants to be Lord over all of your life. So if you're going to walk and experience the power of God and experience the fullness of the promises of God, then we need to now begin to align ourselves, align ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus. It's important that we align ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus. If we don't align ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus, you know what's going to happen? Huh? We are going to get into trouble because then the serpent will be able to deceive us. He'll be able to deceive us right there in the, in the, uh, in the realm of the Spirit. You can be in church and be deceived. Because if you're in church and you're listening to the Word of God, but you will not um, align to the Lordship of Jesus, you are, you, you, you are at risk of misunderstanding the message, misapplying the message. You know, you're, 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 you're at risk of being inspired the wrong way. You're at risk of, of hearing the wrong thing, seeing the wrong thing. All these things happen when we depart from Lordship. Okay? Yes. So that is important. I just thought I should add that. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's critical in our walk with God that we continue, to, uh, we continue to walk under the Lordship of Jesus. So what does it mean to be Lord? He, he wants to be in charge. He wants to be the absolute authority over your life. It wants to be the, the authority over your life. So if you have spiritual power and that power is not governed by the Lordship of Jesus, you're at risk. You're at risk. If you have spiritual gifts and those gifts are not governed by the Lordship of Christ and by the Word of God, the word, because Jesus and his word are one. They're not governed by the word of God. They're not governed by the lordship of Jesus. Then you are at risk. So um, bear that in mind. Now let's go to Romans. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Okay. Romans chapter 8. Remember we read this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin he condemned sin in the flesh so god saw after the fall of man man was brought under a new lord okay when adam sinned he lost the, the his, he lost his place as a subject of Yahweh Elohim, okay? Yahweh Elohim. Now he was brought under a new God, the God of this world. The God of this world now began to rule over his life and began to bring in a new reality into the life of Adam, into the family of Adam. That's where conflicts came in. Right? In the spirit, if you are walking in the spirit under the lordship of Jesus, 
You will not have the, the you will not hate anybody. You will not kill anybody. You, you know, there's so many things that will not happen in your life. They will not manifest. They will not gain expression through you if you are in the spirit and under the lordship of Jesus. So, um, there are things that God now introduced the law to help man, to, to guide man, okay? The law was now introduced to put restrictions and to help man, to, to, to guide him in his conduct and so on. Lifestyle. Because now man is under a new, the, the, the law of sin and death has been released over humanity. And the law of sin and death operates and expresses itself in many ways. One of the first things that, that um, Adam saw, one of the first manifestations of the law of sin and death that Adam saw, which was heartbreaking, was he saw God kill an animal. He saw God kill an animal, an animal that was innocent. It was, God killed the animal and took the skin and covered Adam. So God saw the wickedness of his sin right there in the garden. And uh, so, and that was the beginning. Now he sees how his son kills his brother. The law of sin and death is at work. So conflict, jealousy, envy, all these things are manifestations of the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death operates in the natural world. It operates in the natural world, okay? But in the spirit, in the spirit, it's a different law. There is a law that operates in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, but then there's a law of, of uh, sin and death that produces all kinds of things in in our lives. So Adam saw all of that and we as children of God, because you've been born into Christ, you're born again and as a born again child of God, as a born again child of God right now, you have um, a spiritual identity as well as as a natural identity. You had a natural identity before you got born again. When you got born again, a new identity, a new reality has come into your life. So you need to walk in the reality of your identity in Christ, who you are now in Christ. Very important, significant. Look at verse 5. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Those who live in the flesh. In other words, remember, we're talking about you investing in your uh, spiritual abode more than in your natural abode. Because your natural abode is temporary, but your spiritual abode is permanent. So it just makes sense. And it's wise to invest in that, um, in, that, uh, in that realm, okay? So those who live according to the flesh, in other words, the flesh is speaking of the sinful nature. The flesh is speaking about the natural realm that is dominated and ruled. It's ruled by Satan. Satan is the one that rules the flesh. is the sinful nature. The nature of, 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 of Satan was imparted to humanity when Adam ate that fruit. When he ate that fruit, there was something that came into him. If, if, you, if you like, you could say his DNA was altered. There was a change. Although he's made in God's image after God's likeness, when he ate that fruit, he took another image into him and another likeness in him, into him. So he, he, he's now faced with two natures battling within him. 
two identities, two worlds fighting each other, light and darkness. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So that's what we see here. So the Bible says it's encouraging those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. Huh? But those who live according to the Spirit on things of the Spirit. So your mind should not be full of just natural things, just temporary things, just your natural abode. Your mind should also be occupied with your spiritual abode. The things of the Spirit. Let the things of the Spirit begin to occupy your mind. Let me tell you something. The, the, um, the flesh, left to the flesh, let's just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we shall die. That's what Paul said. That's, that's, that's the flesh. That's the philosophy of the flesh. That's the philosophy of this physical body. It doesn't want to sacrifice anything for your eternal abode. The flesh is not ready to sacrifice anything for you to enjoy in eternity. No. Left to the flesh, this is the only world that exists. The physical world, the temporary world is all that exists. And you know, you hear many times people say, well, you only live once. <laughs> you only live once. So just enjoy your life. This is all you have. It's a lie. It's not all you have. It's not all you have. You have much more than this life. Jesus has made available much more than this life to you. Okay? Yes. It says, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, when you hear the word death there, I want you to understand this. It says to be carnally minded is death. The word death, if there is one word that can accurately describe and explain death, is the word separation. So to be carnally minded, it's, it's, it causes separation. To be carnally minded is death. Hallelujah. Yes. To be carnally minded is death. So you don't want to be just, if, if all you think about is this world and all the things that, that come with it, John tells us that this world is passing away. Passing away. He says, love not the world, not the things that are in the world. The, and what is the world? The, 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 the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. These are the things that Satan used to deceive Eve, to tempt Eve and to deceive her. And he's still using them today. So if all you are preoccupied with is your body, your beauty, your shape. And, and there's nothing wrong with all of those. Please don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of your body. You should. Okay? But put it this way. Like as when you take care of your physical body, take care of your spiritual body as well. Okay? When you dress up in the morning, you wear your clothes... You iron your clothes and you wear them. You want them to look clean. Think about your spiritual clothing as well. You need to be clean inside as well. Think about that. Think like that. Okay? It's important. It's important for us to live like that so that we are constantly aware of our spiritual reality. Let me... Um, let me, let, me, let me show you a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 3. Okay. Um, first, 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 3. He says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather let it be the hidden person of the heart which uh, with incorruptible beauty of a gentle 
and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, what is he saying here? When you dress up, when you dress up in the morning, when you wake up and you dress up, okay, as you dress up, don't let Don't let your adornment, don't let your dressing only focus. Don't just focus on your nice, you wear nice clothes and you, know, you have a nice cologne, um, cologne on, you, you spray perfume, you're smelling nice. That is good. It's good to do those things. But don't let it be limited to that. Don't let it be limited to that. And, and for you ladies, don't let it just be your makeup and your jewelry. And that's all you are aware of when it comes to beauty. No, there is more to it. So why? Just like in the natural, you need to dress properly in the spirit as well. There is a spiritual reality that you need to walk with and live with that as well. To make sure, you need to make sure that you're, you're, you are properly adorned inwardly okay so and he calls that in verse 4 the hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious is very precious in the sight of God my goodness he says for in this manner in former times, holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. So, we're not talking about marriage here, but listen, the point, the principle I want you to see here is that just like there is an outward reality of how you adorn yourself, there should be also a spiritual reality of adornment. You need a gentle and a quiet spirit. You need to build yourself. You need to develop certain qualities that beautify you in the spirit. And beautify you in the spirit. So this reality is important. You want to experience the power of God. You want to walk in the glory of God. You better pay attention to these things. Why? Because these are part of what makes you stand out in the spirit. So one of the challenges that, that Jesus had with the Pharisees was their hypocrisy. They focused on the outward appearance. They focused on the outward appearance, but they paid no attention to the inward, the, 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 the heart condition. They didn't pay any attention to their heart condition. So you need to pay attention to the heart as well. Why? Because there is a spiritual reality. That it, that is going to impact your life for eternity. If you don't pay attention to the inward, uh, that word which goes on inwardly. Okay. Yes. So, and that brings me, that brings me to, uh, to a point. Uh, the Bible says, for instance, let me give you an example of how you, you, you dress up in the spirit, okay? You wake up in the morning, you go, you take your shower, you clean yourself, wash your body. Do you know that as you wash your body physically, there is also a reality of how you wash yourself spiritually. You wash yourself spiritually by the word of God and by the blood of Jesus. So just like Every day you wake up, you go take a shower to clean your body. You need to clean your soul as well. You need to clean your soul on a daily basis. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. You want to experience God in a powerful way. Pay attention to these things. Yeah. Otherwise, you will find out that you are, you are not on the Lordship. 
but you're just calling the name of God. But you are not under his lordship. And it's important for you to be under his lordship. It's important. Yeah. So when you dress up, when you dress up, what else do you do? What do you do in the spirit? Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, I read verse 5. It says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. So when you dress up, when you dress up physically, you dress your body physically, spiritually, you need to dress yourself as well with humility. If you, don't, if you don't put on humility when you dress up in the spirit, you'll be naked. You'll be spiritually naked. And I'm telling you, you are going to, you are going to face resistance like never before. Why? Because the Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, Jesus has already made his grace available to us. But if you walk in pride, you cannot access that grace. No matter how much you confess it, no matter how much you pray it, if you don't dress correctly, you will not be admitted into the courts of, of grace. Hallelujah. Yes. So, so you see this parallel. You know, we're living in two worlds. So, don't... Focus only on the natural. Also begin to pay attention to the spiritual. Begin to pay attention to the spiritual as you dress up. Oh, am I wearing humility today? Yes. <laughs> you put it on. You put it on. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's like you know, when you, uh, different careers require different forms of preparation. For instance, when a doctor is going into the, um, in, 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 into the theater to, to, to perform a surgery, there's a way he needs to prepare himself for that. He doesn't just go in, walk in there, and just start operating. No, there is a way to dress himself. No? He, has to, he, has, he has to make sure he cleans himself. He has to make sure he wears his gloves, and he wears his mask. He has his, his, uh, all, all his gear, whatever it is, depending on the kind of, um, procedure it is but he has to dress himself for the occasion and in the spirit there are different ways we dress ourselves as well when we are going to uh, when, when, as, as we go out in out into the world there and want to begin to exercise authority want to begin to uh, even to fight for instance okay for instance Soldiers don't just go to war. There is a way. They have, to, they have to dress in a particular way in order to go to battle. And they have to be equipped. They have to get their weapons and so on. We have all of that as well in the spirit. So just as it is in the natural, the same in the spirit. So in the spirit, for instance, let's look at Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians tells us how we should dress when we're going to battle, you cannot just go and say, well, you know, I, I, I just believe, I just have faith, and I just do, you know, I just, I just believe, and I, everything will be fine. No, you don't. There is a way to dress when you go to battle. Okay? The, Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So you see, put on the whole armor of God. Now, this is not physical armor he's talking, although he's using the, the, um, the, the language of the Roman soldier. The, 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 he's using the vocabulary and talking about the armory of the Roman soldier at that time. But... That has a spiritual replica, which we need to put on when we go to battle. We need to put on as we, as we go into the, into the territory of the enemy. So, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay? Then if we skip down, 
verse, verse 13. He says, therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. So we are now living in the evil day, the day, the day that we're living in, the days are evil. The days are evil. These are the days that you need to be aware of your spiritual, uh, spiritual reality we are faced with. And this is not, this is not to, um, I, I'm not, I'm not here to exalt the enemy or whatever. Um, but some people just have this impression that you shouldn't even mention the devil. <laughs> you know, what kind of Christianity is that? You are living in a war already. You're in a, in a battle zone. Okay. You're, you're in a battle zone. So you need to be aware. You need to be dressed appropriately for the occasion. So he says, um, he says, um, Verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Okay, so truth is part of your weapon, what you use. All right, so truth. Why? Why do we need truth? Because the enemy fights with lies. He uses lies to fight. So more than anything, you need truth today. You need truth, and the word of God is truth. Okay, and then having put on the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness is speaking of your right standing with God. You need that. You need that revelation. You need that understanding. You need to, you need to be secure in that. You need to be established in that. You need to put that on, put that on, put that on. And having shot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the ready to evangelize, be ready to make disciples, be ready to speak to people about Jesus. It's part of our weapon. It's part of the weaponry that God has given to us. So just like a soldier in the natural would want to, would, would be equipped for battle and go to fight, we need that as well. Yes. We've got replica. This, Paul was describing a Roman soldier. These are the weapons that the Roman soldier uses to go to war. And this is how he dresses himself in order to go to war, prepares for war. Okay? He says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. So in the same manner, we need a shield. You need to shield yourself. You need to be able to shield yourself. The enemy is constantly firing darts. There are darts, fiery darts. There are arrows that he flies. He, 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 uh, he shoots at us that are always flying towards us. But you need a shield of faith. A shield of faith. Interestingly, well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not doing a teaching on this, but I'm just telling you about the reality, just to distinguish between the natural and the spiritual. And there are certain things we need to do. And when we, as we're living a natural life, I want you to carry a spiritual consciousness as well, that there is a spiritual world, a spiritual world that you're also living in at the same time. So you need to be able to have the shield of faith to, to deflect whatever the enemy throws at you. Whatever he fires at you, that means he's going to fire things at you. He's going to attack your identity. He's going to attack your mind. You know? He's going to attack everything he can. He's going to attack it. But then, yes, we need to... Uh, uh, also, take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is to protect your mind. Yes. Protect your head. Protect your head. Okay. Then, not only that, it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword is the Word. You need to be able to advance. You need to be able to confront the enemy. With the, with the soul of the spirit. I've seen many Christians today, the enemy attacks them and they are saying, God, do something. God, please do something. Come on. What kind of, what kind of person are you? What kind of Christianity is that? God, do something. No, God has equipped you. God has empowered you. You do something about it. Take that sword 
and begin to fight the enemy with the sword. Fight the enemy with the sword of the Spirit. Declare the word of the Lord. Speak the word of God. That's the sword of the Spirit. Okay, so, yes, those are the, those, those are the, um, the, uh, that's part of our armory that God has given to us, the sword of the Spirit, okay, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So, you see here that there's a spiritual world, there's a spiritual world, but then there is a uh, a natural world. Now, we don't, and most of the time, we don't pay attention to the spiritual. We only pay attention to the natural because that's what we see. We wake up, we see things. That's where we feel. We feel pains. We feel hunger. We feel all of those. But in the spirit, the same applies. You might not, you might not be seeing as you see physically, but make no mistake, there is a spiritual world out there. Okay? And as you continue to press into God, get ready. God is going to begin to move in your life. God is going to begin to work in your life so that you get to a point where you begin to experience, you bring the reality of the spirit world into your natural world, from your spiritual abode into the, your natural abode. Okay? Yes. So I'm sure you're getting the picture now. Um, what I mean by saying that you need, we are living in two worlds, okay? We are living in two worlds, two parallel worlds. If you are carnally minded, a carnal mind is just someone who is only focusing on all that he sees, the temporary things of life. That's all he is focusing on. Huh? That's all he focuses on. But God wants you to also focus on the things above. In Colossians 3, 3 verse 1 says, set your mind on things above. You know, you need to set your mind on things above. That's your position in Christ. That's where you are. That's where you are. So I'm not saying you should ignore the natural. No, by no means. If you do that, that will be irresponsible. But at the same time, it is wise for you to also pay attention to the spirit world, to your spiritual abode. Because that is, it is the spiritual abode that determines what happens in the natural. So when you start building, building and strengthening your, your position in the spirit, as you continue to strengthen your position in the spirit, what's going to happen is that with time, with time, you now begin to find it easy to take things from your spiritual abode and bring them into the natural. You can take a healing from the spiritual abode and bring it into the natural. Hallelujah. You can take provision from the spiritual, bring it into the natural. You can take a lot of things, power, manifestations, glory, all those things. They are yours already, but you need, you want to experience them here. Don't, you don't want them to, you don't want to wait till you get to heaven to experience certain things. Obviously, there are things that are reserved for when you get to heaven, but there are many, many, many things in heaven that you're supposed to bring down to the earth. You're supposed to bring heaven on earth. Remember when Jesus taught his disciples to pray? Pray and say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As it is in my spiritual abode, let it be in my natural abode. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes. Our time is up. And um, I have to round up, stop here. We'll continue again next week. And uh, I, just, I just want you to take time. I know I've said a lot of things. You need to just take time, ponder on those things. All right? Ponder on those things and let God begin to show you more and more. Okay? Yes. It is exciting to see the things that God has prepared for us. Things that He's revealing to us. And even in His Word. My goodness. What a privilege to walk with Jesus. 
And let me pray for you. Father, I pray for my brother, my sister, right now. I pray, oh God, that you would give them wisdom. Give them understanding. Lord God, give them a clear understanding of lordship, your lordship. Mighty God, that we will walk under your lordship in all areas, both in the spirit and in the natural. Lord, we surrender to you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just say this after me? Say, I, I surrender, Lord, to you. I surrender to your lordship. Jesus, I invite you and I submit to you. Be my Lord. Be my master. Yes, I surrender to you. Now, if you're not born again, this is a good time. I want to lead you in a prayer. Just say this after me with conviction. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Come into my heart. I believe in you. You died that I might have life. I open my heart. Come in. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Take away my sin and give me a place in your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, I want to pray for you. Father, I pray. I pray for my brother, my sister, who just called you into their lives right now, who have just surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. Right now, I ask for your kingdom to come. Let your will be done in their lives. In the name of Jesus. I break every power of the enemy. I break every power of sin. I break every curse upon their lives. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I give you praise. In Jesus' name. Now, before we go, I just want to take our offering. Maybe you, you want to give, or if you've not given yet, and you, you want to do that, I want to pray for you. If you've given, that's fine. I'm going to pray for you as well. Lord, I pray for your people as your people give. I ask, oh, Father, for the, for the windows of heaven to open according to your word. Lord, as they give of their tithes, their offering, and, and Lord God, I ask, oh God, for a, a financial release. I ask, oh God, for financial wisdom. I ask for witty inventions. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I speak, oh God, a great doors of opportunity, doors of promotion for them. Let their needs be met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. So good. So good. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. And uh, please share this message with someone. And I invite you to join us again. Same time next week. Same place. God bless you. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www dot every nation midrand dot org